Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. This week, we're going to meet another of the remarkable and inspirational thought leaders at the forefront of innovation that UBS supports and celebrates through its Global Visionaries programme. Today, we're meeting Dr. Cameron Khan, the founder and CEO of Blue Dot, Blue Dot protects people around the world from infectious diseases by combining medical expertise with advanced data analytics to track and anticipate disease risks. Khan studied infectious diseases, preventive medicine and public health in the US and returned to Toronto just before the city was crippled by SARS in 2003. This motivated him to find solutions to prepare for and respond to future disease threats. In 2013, when Khan started Blue Dot, he was determined to use artificial intelligence to gather and process data, spot clusters and identify risk levels in a scalable way. And since then, Blue Dot has helped the World Health Organization locate treatment centres during the 2014 Ebola outbreak in West Africa and predicted the Zika outbreak in Florida six months before it began and before it was declared a global public health emergency. Cameron's belief is that not only can timely action change the course of a disease outbreak, it can potentially even stop it from evolving. It's a pleasure to welcome Dr. Cameron Khan to the programme. Cameron, thank you so much for being with us. And just to start off with, tell us a little about your background, personal and professional, and how you, well, how you came to be sat where you're sitting today. My interest in this area actually goes back about 20 years. So I'm a, you know, a physician, grew up here in Toronto in Canada. You know, after doing my medical training, I decided to specialize in infectious diseases. I think uh, as uh, an immigrant to Canada myself and a family of immigrants, you know, I think I was always fascinated with travel and human migration and the movements of people around the world. That was the area that I went to specialize in when I uh, did some of my uh, postgraduate training uh, down at Cornell and Columbia and Harvard. And in 1999, I was living in New York City when this unusual uh, paralytic uh, illness showed up in Queens in New York City. And it turned out to be West Nile virus, a virus that we had actually never seen in North America, uh, locally spreading in that particular way. And of course, we know the story of West Nile virus is that it started to move westward. It established itself and, uh, you know, has forever changed the landscape of the continent. So that was kind of an interesting and an eye-opening experience. Two years later, in 2001, I was living in in Manhattan again when uh, 9-11 happened. And then you may recall shortly after, anthrax was weaponized and sent through the U.S. postal system. And so that was another crisis that we were in, Uh, this time not from, uh, you know, a particular microbe uh, coming from Mother Nature, but rather uh, a bacterium uh, that was manufactured and deliberately dispersed. So that was, again, another uh, really eye-opening experience that, you know, had, had highlighted in the short period of time that infectious disease threats can be incredibly disruptive to society. And then I moved back to Toronto again, which is, was home for me, and that was uh, in 2003. And you may remember in 2003, the world was going through the first novel coronavirus outbreak, SARS. And shortly after getting here, we had uh, this outbreak of SARS in our city. It actually went on for four very long months, and it was something that really hit 
close to home for me. One of my colleagues, a veteran uh, infectious disease physician, got infected with SARS, and that had a 10% mortality rate, far more deadly than COVID-19. And, you know, I saw in many ways the disruption that we're all living through now during the pandemic, uh, an overwhelmed healthcare system, an overwhelmed public health system, economic impacts to the travel and tourism and hospitality sectors here in the cities. No one wanted to come to the city. Uh, and even some underlying social disruption and tensions within society, you know, stemming from the fear of this particular uh, virus. So when I when I looked at the four-year period between West Nile virus's uh, introduction into North America and SARS-CoV-1, that was an indication to me that more threats were coming. And ultimately, that was what inspired me to spend the next, you know, 10 years of my career after I moved back to Toronto as an academic to study outbreaks, you know, over the past 20 years, I've been I've been doing that, trying to look at ways that we can be smarter and more agile and more responsive to uh, infectious disease threats. But after 10 years of doing that as an academic, I think what I realize is we have to move not just smarter uh, when responding to these kinds of threats, we have to move faster as well. And that's what led me to found Blue Dot in 2013. Uh, it was largely around the use of data and advanced analytics and digital technologies and building a digital global epidemic intelligence platform that we could leverage and harness to, again, move faster, smarter and be better coordinated when responding to future threats. I think what strikes me as really interesting there, Cameron, is that you know you, you can track this fascination for looking at preparedness, response to these future threats. And then that 10-year gap it, it intrigues me that you've mentioned. If we jump forwards then to 2013 and the origin of Blue Dot, you've already mentioned that this realisation, I suppose, about the power of data, the potential for AI to really do things in terms of scalability that perhaps hadn't been there before. Was that why 2013 was, if it was indeed, an inflection point? Because suddenly you had at your disposal real tools that enabled you to do these things that clearly had been a, a long-term ambition. Was it a happy confluence of what the technology afforded you at the very moment where this decade of, of study and academia and all of that rigor, they, they kind of came together at just this sort of serendipitous moment? Yeah, I, I, I would say so. I mean, it was a confluence of different, you know, factors that, that brought this all together. One was just the recognition that these threats weren't going away. You may recall in 2009, we actually were in the middle of it, another pandemic. That was the H1N1 influenza pandemic, not as severe as what we're going through today, but we had also seen the emergence of the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome in 2012. So a number of different threats and, and external events were happening around the world, coupled with capabilities for manipulating big data and you know computing capabilities to make sense of these massive amounts of data. What I will say is the the ultimate you know inspiration was really around something that might seem a bit mundane, which is the workflow that we have to go through to assess an infectious disease threat in the world. And what I mean by that is for every single threat that's out there, we have to first detect it. We have to then assess its potential for dispersion and disruption, and then we have to respond to it. You know, that process, because infectious diseases, it sounds like 
when we talk about outbreaks that so we're talking about one thing, but really what we're talking about is an incredibly heterogeneous group of things. Uh, we're talking about hundreds of different microbes that can appear anywhere in the world at any moment in time. And so what that ultimately leads to is it requires us to have a very specialized set of skills, subject matter experts, experts in data and analytics and technology, and it's a very manual and labor-intensive process, which makes it slow. As you can imagine, outbreaks move incredibly fast. And if we want to be a step ahead of them, it means we're going to have to move even faster. And so this was really the underlying motivation behind Blue Dot, which is to revolutionize the way that we detect, assess, and respond to outbreaks to use AI and, and technologies to allow us to do this not only quickly, but to do this in a way that is scalable so we can be evaluating every single threat that is appearing in the world and doing it in minutes, not in months. Cameron, let's talk a little about some of the challenges involved in setting up a business when you're coming from a background experience in medicine and in public health. It doesn't seem to have held you back initially. You rapidly had some big successes. We mentioned at the top of the programme, helping the WHO locate treatment centres in 2014, predicting the Zika outbreak in Florida six months before it began. So what was the challenge like back at the start, really getting everything going? Blue Dot, in many ways, we were ahead of our time. When we started this in 2013, it was actually quite difficult to get the world to... Uh, fully appreciate and recognize the importance of preparing for these types of threats. Just, you know, try and imagine the mindset of the world before COVID-19. And I think what we quickly learned was that humans are innately very reactive. You know, we're, we're not necessarily wired to be dealing with future threats or slow moving threats. And so prior to COVID-19, I think what we saw the world do was experience an outbreak, respond with incredible vigor, as you were talking about the 2014 Ebola outbreak in West Africa, the 2016 Zika outbreak, respond with an enormous amount of vigor, but shortly after the outbreak was over to just kind of returning back to business as usual. And so in many ways, I think that was a, was a real challenge for us, was to try and align with governments and global enterprises and other organizations around the importance of preparing for future threats. What COVID has done, uh, unfortunately, because it's an incredible tragedy, is it's really awoken the world to just how a tiny little virus that you could fit thousands on the head of a pin, how you know uh, a virus like that could really cripple the entire planet. So there is a recognition today of the importance of being prepared for uh, future infectious disease threats because we have lived through and are continuing to live through the current crisis. So that's, you know, just a little bit about the history of Blue Dot prior to COVID-19. With respect to just personally, you know, that taking that leap of faith, as I mentioned, I didn't found Blue Dot because I, uh, I needed more work, uh, you know, beyond uh, my practice as a physician and as a professor. Uh, I founded Blue Dot because I, I felt that this was important to bring about the kind of change that I felt was really important uh, in the world. So certainly it was, it was a leap of faith, but ultimately now today, you know, we've grown, we're approaching, uh, you know, almost 100 people, uh, an eclectic mix of subject matter experts, experts in data and analytics and technology and commercialization, 
And we've brought that eclectic mix of skills together, really inspired by the purpose to be doing something that's bigger than ourselves. Yeah, and clearly collaboration within Blue Dot is critical. You mentioned drawing together all these uh, fascinating skill sets, and I'm interested in how they all overlay one another to speed all of the innovations and uh, advances that you are able to deliver. Cameron, just tell us a bit more about your team. What is its makeup? How do the different constituent parts fit together? Well, because we're dealing with a very diverse set of threats, you know, infectious diseases like COVID-19 are spread from person to person. Uh, Zika is spread through mosquitoes and is, you know, impacted by climatic and environmental conditions. This really requires that we have a very diverse set of skills within Blue Dot. We have physicians, veterinarians, ecologists, uh, experts in data systems, in climate, in the environment, data engineers, experts in machine learning and AI, as well as those in design, product development and technology. And what it really highlights is that infectious disease threats are quite complex, quite heterogeneous, and that diversity of skills is necessary for us to understand these threats and ultimately generate really meaningful and actionable insights for governments, for businesses, for healthcare providers, and for citizens to be able to tap into in order to know how best to to respond to these threats. Cameron, earlier you mentioned that the pandemic has kind of changed the conversation. It's universality, I guess. Um, The fact that this is a challenge that's sort of happened everywhere at the same time, unlike some of these previous examples you've given. Is that focus sharp enough, Cameron? Do you think that there is sufficient engagement from policymakers, decision makers, those key stakeholders on the right questions? Is that happening Uh, fast enough? Are people being scientific enough in their approach to it? Well, let's just say that, you know, the pandemic has certainly pushed us all and propelled us into a crisis response sort of mindset. And so I think what we're dealing with now is sort of metaphorically, the house is on fire and we're trying to to get out and, and sort of put out the flames. And that's really been occupying most of our attention for the last 15 months or so. What I think is going to be a test for all of us going forward is whether or not we're able to maintain that focus. So, you know, one step after responding to the crisis is is starting to prepare for the next crisis, installing the metaphorical smoke detector, if you will. And that is something that I think is is yet to be determined. Certainly COVID has been incredibly painful uh, in terms of the losses of of lives and, and impacts on health, the economic disruption, the social impacts that have been experienced around the world. So there's certainly enough there to, you know, to identify that it is incredibly important for us to invest time and energy and effort in preparing for future threats. I think the question really is, will we be able to overcome our cognitive biases? Uh, Because we tend to discount future events and the significance of future events relative to present day events. So again, we're, we're very active and vigorous in responding to the crisis, but what will be important for us is, is can we continue to focus on channeling that energy into building up the systems and capabilities to detect, assess and respond to the next set of threats, which we know are inevitable and will be coming, whether we're able to do that after this crisis has abated. I think there's another important conversation that maybe isn't happening that perhaps needs to happen. 
And that is uh, the broader question. It's one step up or it's one level up uh, in prevention is, well, why are we experiencing all of these outbreaks around the world? Why are we seeing them accelerate? In just the last 20 years, we've had so many outbreaks that have had you know, at least regional, if not global impacts, you know, everything from, you know, West Nile virus, SARS, you know, the H1N1 flu pandemic. We had a massive outbreak of cholera in Haiti, chikungunya, Zika, Ebola, yellow fever, now COVID-19. So we're seeing more and more of these. The one thread that they tend to have in common is that these uh, microbes have their origins in animal populations. And um, what this is really highlighting is that human interaction with the world around us is driving the emergence and spread of these types of infectious diseases. So I think in a really important conversation to be had is why are we experiencing these outbreaks? How are we interacting with other living systems on our planet? And what are the consequences of those types of actions? You know, this is something that I, I did a, a TEDx talk on and just tried to, to speak to this issue because I think it is important for us to be looking ultimately at the root causes of where these types of outbreaks are originating from, as well as how we better prepare for them. I guess the answers to some of those questions, which are so complex, so vast, so well, intimidating in some ways in character, those questions, uh, rests in some very, very profound things, as you said, which go right back to the fundamentals of health, education, good governance. And we need programs, I guess, that put those in, into, into sharp focus, things like the UN Sustainable Development Goals that speak to all of these things and how they're all interlinked. And to that, to that point, Cameron, just to pull a few threads together... Can collaboration on some of these and can the focus of things like, you know, UN days of rural communities or whatever it might be, of course, it's only scratching the surface, but they, they, those must be important, right? Even when you're right in the front line, as you and your colleagues are in Blue Dot and in your day-to-day -day work, it must be so important to have those opportunities to that demand focus and to have other collaborations. Look, we're talking to you as a UBS Global Visionary. Initiatives like that, do they help to really move the dial on some of those very profound challenges as you see it? Well, well, they're certainly very important to be able to initiate conversations that we may not normally have. And what I mean by this is that, you know, this is not just the crisis that we're in and the ones that we've experienced in the past few decades. These are not just public health governmental challenges. They're, they're not even ho the whole of government challenges. They're really whole of society challenges. When we talk about being all in this together, I, I think that's uh, uh, an appropriate way to, to articulate the challenge that we face. And so what it requires is it requires uh, people who may not normally be speaking to one another or having a conversation with one another to be in those discussions. So just by way of example at Blue Dot, you know, we've been working with the public health sector for some time, but there are many other branches of government, you know, in animal health, in food security, in national defense, in intelligence, that also need to be thinking about these types of risks. And, and some of them are not from Mother Nature. As I said, some of them may be from deliberate acts that uh, could uh, lead to an outbreak from a weaponizable uh, microbe. Um, but it also is having conversations with the private sector. At Blue Dot, we're, you know, as I said, not quite uh, yet 100 people, but are approaching about 100 people. And in order to our extend our reach in the world, this requires partnerships with the private sector. 
What we've learned in the past 15 months or so is that global businesses are trying to you know, maintain business continuity during periods of extreme volatility that arise from outbreaks. They're looking to mitigate impacts and risks, uh, risks perhaps to uh, their supply chains, risks to the safety of their employees and customers, but also trying to anticipate the demand for their goods and services so that they can actually maintain continuity of their business during these periods of volatility. So uh, these are the kinds of conversations that we need to be having more of, more cross-sectoral conversations about how can we integrate capabilities to detect, assess, and respond to outbreaks uh, using data and analytics and technology with the needs of businesses and, and governments worldwide. So this is really core to the work that we're doing day in and day out uh, at Blue Dot. It entails uh, a lot of listening and a lot of learning uh, on both sides. But ultimately, we can't really evolve unless uh, we are having those conversations across not just disciplines, but across sectors. I wonder, just in the, what, eight years of Blue Dot's existence, Cameron, do, have the conversations shifted in tone? We've already talked about the change in urgency, but in tone, in terms of, you know, a focus on what what could we call it, sort of sustainability for all of our world and those people who live anywhere on it, it feels like we are at, or even we've broken through an inflection point here. And there's been an irrevocable change in terms of the appetite for those conversations and understanding that they are fundamentally necessary. Have you tracked that change in the kind of conversations, whether it's with public or private sector stakeholders, just in the first you know, eight years of Blue Dot's existence? Well, certainly, uh, you know, since the onset of the pandemic, I think the conversation has really shifted toward a recognition of the need for resilience, that these types of threats are inevitable, more are coming. And, you know, how do we build a more resilient society? You know, there are many different dimensions to that, but I'll speak to it with respect to to Blue Dot. Ultimately, you know, our belief is that outbreaks spread quickly and we're gonna have to just move faster and smarter and be better coordinated than we've ever been if we wanna be in front of those types of threats. And there's also an enormous amount of asymmetry in the world between those who know, who are in the know, if you will, and those who are not. And that's something that we really want to try and uh, eliminate as well. Uh, What I mean by that is, you know, historically, this has been you know, when it comes to infectious disease threats, this has been in the area of responsibility for the public health branches of government. But ultimately, you know, this information needs to trickle even over to the frontline healthcare workers. And I say this as a physician who, you know, sees patients from all around the world who are returning with, um, you know, illnesses, febrile illnesses that could be an unusual disease that could threaten my safety, the safety of everyone in the hospital, the safety of everyone in the community. And so, you know, what we ultimately need are systems that are not just sitting in the hands of a small group of people in the public health community, but are more broadly accessible across the whole of government, empowering frontline healthcare workers. Uh, you know, we often talk about the fact that an astute clinician recognized that there was an outbreak happening or that something was, was unusual. Well, we need all of us to be more astute clinicians if we're going to detect and uh, respond to these types of threats more effectively and efficiently in the future. And the other part of it is the 
asymmetry between citizens having an understanding of what's happening and the experts in the public health community and government. You know, one of the reasons this is complex is we're dealing with really, you know, complicated biomedical concepts. Not everyone necessarily has, uh, you know, got literacy in understanding, you know, how microbes work and their impacts and consequences. And so we think there's a really an important role for elevating citizens' level of understanding and awareness of infectious disease risk, how to protect themselves, how to protect those close to them, their family members, their coworkers. Uh, And ultimately, this is how we build a more resilient society. So I think the conversation really has shifted, uh, especially, you know, now is we're starting to move a little bit out of the most intense periods of the crisis, at least here in, you know, in in Canada and the U.S. and other uh, industrialized parts of the world. The conversation certainly has shifted more towards how do we create a more resilient society uh, so that we can withstand uh, the next set of threats. I will just say COVID-19 as challenging and as disruptive and just tragic as it has been, in my estimation, it's actually really only a moderately severe pandemic. I think Mother Nature actually has a lot worse to deliver and we've you know, buckled under the pressure of this virus. We're gonna need to be more resilient to withstand uh, future threats that we will inevitably face. Perhaps finally, Karen, what does the future then hold for Blue Dot? I mean, what are the limits to what Blue Dot can achieve as you see it? You're right there in the driving seat. Is the only limit the limit on the ambition of yourself and your colleagues? Is it about metaphorical or literal buy-in from others? Is it about that citizen engagement that you were just talking about? One imagines it could well be a combination of all of those. Well, I think with respect to the technology itself and the integration of deep subject matter expertise and our capabilities in terms of our global epidemic intelligence platform, I have no doubt that we are just scratching the surface. AI is really about machines mimicking human behavior and human judgment. And as I said you know, earlier, we are dealing with a very heterogeneous group of threats. I have no doubt from a technology standpoint we are going to be able to completely revolutionize how the world detects, assesses, and responds to threats faster and more intelligently, more efficiently, and in in a more coordinated manner than we've ever been able to before. With respect to engaging audiences around the world, we're currently doing so today at Blue Dot. Uh, Countries around the world and multiple branches of government between public health, national defense, uh, intelligence agencies, food, animal health, you know, there's uh, an expanding engagement that we are having with government about smart policy decisions during uh, public health emergencies and crises. But we're also expanding the conversation with the private sector. And I think that's really very, very exciting for us because, you know, global enterprises uh, can play an important role in public health as well by protecting their employees, by protecting the well-being and safety of their customers. So there's an important role to play there. So I do really believe that with Blue Dot, for eight years, we've been building this intelligence platform and this foundation. Uh, But COVID in many ways has just awoken the world to the nature of this threat. And I think it's really accelerated the conversation about how we can, you know, together be working to build more resilient businesses, to be building more resilient societies. So I'm incredibly excited about, you know, what what the future holds. Uh, for Blue Dot. 
you know, I, I got into this space um, as a physician. There's always been a, a passage in the Talmud that has resonated with me, which is whoever saves a single life, uh, it is considered as if they have saved the entire world. And the sentiment of that is that, you know, you have no idea what, you know, one person might be capable of and how they may impact society and the world around them. Uh, we've certainly understood that in new ways with a pandemic because, of course, it only takes one person to, to start a pandemic. What I'm really excited about with Blue Dot is this is an opportunity for us to be using data and analytics and technology, not just to be impacting one life, but to be reaching millions of lives around the world in a way that is um, really helping us build a, a safer and a more secure and a more prosperous world. Dr. Cameron Khan, thank you so much for being with us today. And that brings us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda each week here on Monocle 24. You can find out more about the work of Dr. Cameron Khan and his colleagues and partners in Blue Dot. Visit bluedot.global now. And for more about all the global visionaries in the UBS programme, head to ubs.com and search Global Visionaries. In the meantime, you can listen again to this and every episode of the programme, including our archive of other brilliant visionaries at monocle.com and across all good audio and podcast platforms. The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle 24.